You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and be opening to the book of Ruth. We're going to be walking through the third chapter here in just a few moments. Uh, I've been amazed at how so many of you have complimented Corey and the book of Ruth on opening our eyes to how this book does fit in to the Christmas narrative. It's amazing sometimes how some of us need just a little help. We need what's called a matchmaker. And you know, many of us forget the story that Naomi plays an important part in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just wonder as we look at the last few verses of Ruth, if maybe Obed, who is gonna be in the line of Christ, ultimately was so thankful for a lady named Naomi. She was the one that got his mother and dad together. There's some kids in church here that I see from time to time, and every time I see them, they don't know this, but I think, wow, you better be thankful for Mimish. Every time I see Aaron Thompson, how do you know Aaron Thompson? Did you know it was Mimish who got his mom and dad together? And then when I see Lauren and Logan Eastwood, I think of that day that Slisa came home from the vet service in Murray, and she said, wow, I told Dr. Eastwood about a girl in our church. I sure hope it works out, and sure enough, it did. This morning, we're going to see a match that we're going to think is a match made in Bethlehem, but in my opinion, it's actually a match made in heaven. A match that not only brought about the redemption of Ruth and Naomi, but ultimately brought about the redemption of you and I. Now, because we're going to speak through this entire chapter, we're not going to stand as we normally do. So would you just open your Bibles now to, or your cell phone, because many of you carry your Bible app on your cell phone, to Ruth chapter 3, and we're going to walk through these 18 verses. Now, as we walk through these 18 verses, there's four things that's going to jump out at me. And the first thing that's going to jump out is in these first five verses, and I'm going to call this Naomi's plan. Let's start in verses one and two of Ruth chapter three. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, talking about Ruth, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative? with whose young women you were, see he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now normally we love it when chapters or verses start with the word therefore. We don't have therefore, but we've got then. Now I want you to remember this. Originally in the Hebrew Bible, this book was not broken into verses and chapters. It's a short story. And this word then is reminding us of what we just read. It sets the stage for what's fixing to happen next in this amazing short story. 
What's just happened? Harvest is over. The spring harvest of barley and the spring harvest of wheat is over. And this lady named Naomi who left her homeland with a husband and two sons went into Moab, they got married. She's now come home empty-handed without a husband and without her two sons, lost one daughter-in-law, has one still with her. The reason they come back home is because it's spring. And the word has spread of a bountiful harvest in Israel. Now, the harvest is over. And here's how chapter two ends. Naomi and Ruth are living together. Two widows. Where's their barley gonna come from now? Where's their wheat gonna come from now? That's over. Do you sense that? See, when we're reading this amazing short story under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, this word's big. Can you imagine what's going through Naomi and Ruth's mind now? There is no grain in the field now that Ruth, being younger than Naomi, can go and glean and bring home something each day for them to eat. That's over. And now we get a glimpse into the heart of Naomi. Naomi looks at Ruth and says, Hun, here's what I desire for you. I desire for you rest. She has seen her daughter-in-law go out every day and glean the fields. She's seen her come home and talk about this man that she met and actually had dinner with named Boaz, and how gracious he is to all his servants. And now, Naomi desires rest for her. Now, I think there's a play on concept here. I don't think Naomi is saying, I want you to rest from laboring. I think she's using rest here to refer to that ultimate rest that she wants her to have. And you know what that is? A husband. A home. Not a home where she's coming home to Naomi, but where she's coming home every day. Or her husband is coming home to her every day. And for her, she has rest. She's being by protected by a house band. She's being provided for by a house band. And I think Naomi here is given the ultimate compliment to marriage when she calls it rest. She says, isn't it right that I should want you to have a husband and live with him and not have to live with me? Now, if I could pause here just for a moment, I realize this is not the main point of the text. But what a beautiful picture this is of marriage. Ruth needed a redeemer. And Naomi knew there was a relative, a redeemer, who could bring rest to her. And she desired that for her. 
Can I just pause here just for a moment and ask you guys, is that what you're providing for your wife? Rest. Does she find her ultimate protection? Does she find her ultimate provision in you as her house band? No offense to ladies here, but I've been married over 43 years. I've been pastoring over 42 years. And there is not a lady who has been raised by earthly parents who does not enter into marriage without some spots, wrinkles, and blemishes that worry her, concern her. And when she married you, she thought you were her redeemer. She thought ultimately you were a man of God and she brought herself under your care she'd find that ultimate rest in you under Christ. You have no idea what it's like to be a pastor and stand by a wife whose redeemer never lived up to being the redeemer she needed him. You are a redeemer. I pray that you draw strength from this man named Boaz who's going to come into the life not only of Ruth, but Naomi. He's going to change their world. And ultimately, it's a story about the coming of the ultimate redeemer. And that's Christ. She just wants rest for Ruth. Now her mind's already clicking as the mother-in-law. She knows Boaz, who Ruth's been hanging with his servant, female servants, gleaning, is a prospect. I think she knows what the story's been telling us, that the workers are leaving a little extra in her path for her to... Glean. And now she recognizes him as the Redeemer, her Redeemer, possibly. And she knows exactly where he's at. Do y'all see Mama's mind? He's at the winning floor tonight. And here's what she goes on to tell her. Here's her plan. Bathe yourself. Verse 3. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself and put on your cloak. Go down to the threshing floor. Do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say I will do. This is so cool. Now, now, what we're getting ready to see is mama-in-law is telling her daughter-in-law, who she now views as her daughter, how to get a man, a particular man. 
Now, this is going to blow us away because this isn't how we do proposals. And normally, the female waits for the man to propose to her. But did you know, if you've got Scottish background, on leap years, it's okay for the lady to ask the man how to marry, to marry them. I want y'all to remind Salisa that we got married on leap year. I'm not saying anything, but just know we got married during leap year. We got Scottish history. Now, now get this picture. Mama's getting her ready for a man. And she tells her to take a bath. Good idea, ladies. Spray the perfume on. Good idea. Put your cloak on. Go where he's at, but don't let him see you until he's eaten supper. Now, it's my opinion, they're not the same age. He's older, she's younger. Now, any of you guys that are older like me, tell me what happens when you eat a fine supper. What's the next thing you want to do? You want to go to sleep, right? You get tired, you get sleepy. So here's what she's saying. Hey, he's older, don't you approach him until after he's eaten, after he's got his belly full, then he's gonna go lie down and when he lies down, he's gonna fall fast asleep and here's where he's gonna be. He's gonna be by that certain heap of grain. Now the reason she's gotta be careful is because there's other workers at the threshing floor too. said, you approach him and then you lie down at his feet. And then you uncover his feet. And then you wait. And he'll tell you what to do. And Ruth said, I'll do it. Wow. Now, I want to make sure we understand this. There's no immorality. There's nothing illicit here. There's nothing sexual going on here. Don't read this through the prism of our culture. You know what I think she's doing? You know what I think mama's telling daughter? Anoint yourself, put your perfume on, change your clothes. Your time of mourning for my son is over. You remember King David? His sin brought death to his son. When he heard the news that his son has died, what does the writer of 2 Samuel tell us? He bathed, he anointed himself, and he changed clothes. And they freaked out. What are you doing? Because see, what he was saying by those three behaviors was, I'm not going to mourn the death of my son anymore. I'm now going to return to the land of the living. I can't, with my mourning, bring him back here, but I can go where he is. And it shook the servants. Do you know what Ruth had been doing since she come home from Moab? She's been mourning the death of Malan. She loved him. 
loved him deeply. And even though she's been gleaning in the fields, when you got around her, there was an odor. There was a wretchedness. She was mourning. She let everyone know around her she loved Malan and she was grieving for him. And now Naomi says, Hun, that's got to stop. Can you imagine a mother in law telling a daughter in law, You got to get over my son? I want what's best for you, and what's best for you is not you living with me. What's best for you is for you to have a husband. Your own home again. And she bathes, puts the fever on, changes clothes, goes down to the threshing floor, and she says, I'll do what you say. What a plan Naomi had. Now let's look at verses six through nine. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went down. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. I love this. She goes to the threshing floor. Waits till he's eaten, waits till he's fallen asleep, and then softly she approaches him. This doesn't mean she's going secretly, it means she's going quietly. She doesn't want to wake anybody, she doesn't want to startle anybody. There was other workers, there were other men at other piles of grain, and she knew exactly where Boaz was. And so when she came to Boaz, she was clean, she was fragrant, she had a change of clothes, and she lay down beside him at his feet, and she pulled the cover off his feet. I love this. Naomi's plan worked to the T. You say, what do you mean? Well, what happened at midnight? He woke up, startled. and found a woman lying at his feet. Let me tell you what I think is going on here. Isn't this amazing? How many of you, when you go to sleep, like a cover from head to shoulders? Yes. Now, as I get older and I'm studying in my recliner, I fall asleep. Didn't used to do that. And some mornings I wake up in the recliner. So because I know there's a chance I'm gonna fall asleep in the recliner and be in the recliner a while, before I start studying, I take a cover that Mimish has and I put it over me and I wrap it around my feet as best I can and I start studying 
And the moment I go to sleep, I don't see this, but I know what happens. I start turning and wrestling. And the next thing you know, guess what's happened at my feet? The covers have fallen off my feet. And guess what happens? My feet get cold. And when my feet get cold, guess what happens? I wake up. And I start trying to cover my feet up again because no, I can't go back to sleep unless I cover my feet or I get up and go get in the bed with Mimish. So that the cover doesn't come off our feet in bed, Mimish tucks the covers under the mattresses way down in there so that we don't wake up in the night but we sleep through the night because when cool air hits your feet at night, you wake up. That was Naomi's plan. Please don't read this that she's pulling up his cover so she can get a peek at him. No, 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 no. Yes, the Old Testament tells us not to uncover someone's nakedness. That's not what she's doing here. She's just uncovering his feet so he'll wake up. And it may not he wakes up and he wakes up startled. You know why he woke up startled? Because, whoa, that cold air was going up his spine. And, whoa! Now, I want y'all to get this picture. He's now looking for the cover and finds a woman. Praise be to God. Amen? All of a sudden, there's this woman at his feet and he says, who are you? She says, I'm Ruth. Now, remember, she's a Moabite. And now she's going to do something that Naomi didn't tell her to do. Naomi just told her how to get in his presence and wake him and then wait to see what he said. And then you do whatever he said do. She doesn't wait. She says, I'm Ruth. Spread your cover over me. For you are my redeemer. Wow. You know this goes back to Moses' law to the children of Israel from God, Deuteronomy chapter 25. If a brother got married and he died before the wife could give him a child, his brother next in line was to marry her. And when they got married, the first son belonged to the brother, not him, and carried the brother's name on. That's weird. Sorry. Can you imagine? Your older brother brings home a girlfriend, <laughs> and you're the second brother, and you're going, oh, I better make sure I like her because something's happened to him before they have a child. I got to marry her. Agreed? This was so enriched in Israelite culture that a Sadducee came to Jesus and gave a story about seven brothers who all had to marry the same girl because the girl never had children to the brother while he was alive and the brother would die. She'd marry the second one, the third one, the fourth one, the fifth one, the sixth one, and the seventh. And then she, the Sadducee asked Jesus, in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Trying to trick him. Now why this is foreign to us it was part of their culture. So when she says to him, cover me with your cover, 
See, that covers just fell off of his feet because she pulled it off his feet and now he's searching for the cover to cover his feet back up. But here's what she wants him to do. She wants him to ask her to marry her. You say, what? Yeah. Now, I know we're used to this. Will you marry me? Uh-uh. In the biblical world, when you wanted to marry someone, you took your cloak and you covered it over them. And if she said yes, she stayed under the cloak. If she didn't want to marry you, she pushed it away. You said, Brother, where do you come up with this stuff? I know y'all think I make this up. I mean, you've read Ezekiel chapter 16, right? Verse 8. God's talking to the nation of Israel and he said, hey, I saw you when you were a young maid. I fell in love with you. I waited till you came to marital age and when you came to marital age, I put my cover over you. He asked them to marry him. He asked them to be his people. So here's what she's waiting for. She's saying, ask me to marry you. I'll marry you if you'll just ask. You are my redeemer. Guys, I know we don't have the kinsman redeemer law in the church today, but hear me, most girls married desiring a redeemer. Someone who will provide a place of rest, a place of security. This is beautiful. Now we're going to see Boaz's promise to Ruth. Look at these next verses. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. You ready for this? Here's what he's going to acknowledge. May you be blessed of the Lord. Because this act of kindness, you letting me know you want me to marry you is a greater kindness than that first kindness you did. Y'all remember the first kindness, right? She's home in Moab. She's married an Israelite man, Naomi's son, Malan. And he's dead. And Naomi's going home. And she leaves our home, her home to go be with her. And then when they get back home, she gleans for her. And even though she's Moabite, a descendant of Lot, y'all remember that story? The whole town, Israelite town, is seeing her life 
and they're commenting how worthy she is, how virtuous she is, how righteous she is. And he says, but whoa, what you're doing right now, lying at my feet, letting me know you want me to cover you with my garment is even greater. Can I be honest with you? He feels like he's the luckiest man on the planet. He says, when you came back in the land, you could have married any young, eligible bachelor, rich or poor, but you didn't go for any of those. You wore those clothing of mourning, telling every man, I'm mourning the death of my husband. I loved him. And look what you're doing now. You have taken off those clothes of mourning and you're letting me know you think I can be your redeemer. You want me to marry you. I'm blown away. Wow. I can't tell you how many times during the year after 43 years of marriage, I will turn to Salise and say, would you just tell me again why you married me? Like Boaz, I feel so unworthy to have her. Is that your feeling? That's his feeling. He's got this young, virtuous woman wanting him, an older man, to be a redeemer. And you know what he promises? I'll be your husband. I'll redeem you. But, gotta be honest, he didn't take advantage of the situation. He said, there's a relative closer to, than me to you. Let's go to the next verses. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you. Now, Brother Ricky's going to put a parenthesis here, okay? But I hope he doesn't. You say, how can you do that? Well, I've read chapter four. Okay? But here's what he says. He's being cool. He's being manly. If he will redeem you, good. Oh, I hope he does it. Let him do it. Hope he does it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Is that beautiful or is that beautiful? What's he promising? He's promising to redeem Ruth. The way he redeems her is taking her to him as his wife. Now I want you to watch this next section. Let's go to the next verse. This is going to be Boaz's pledge to Naomi. So please see this. This is a short story. It goes quickly. But see this. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went in the city. So get this picture. 
He's now getting ready to make a pledge after he's promised to her, to her mother-in-law. So he tells her, lay down till morning. Now I want you to see him already starting to be the redeemer. He knows there's a whole lot of ladies that's come to the threshing floor tonight, but they came for the wrong reason. And he don't want her to leave now because if she leaves now at this hour in the morning, some might, might think she's one of those kind of girls. So he says, stay right here till morning. Don't you move. Rest. Lay down. Wow. When she gets up before daybreak, while it's still kind of dark, but people are stirring, he tells the men, who may have seen her, don't you say a word about her that she was here. And he lets them know nothing happened. Now let me tell you what he's doing here. He's protecting her reputation because he knows this next, this day, he's going to go to that nearest redeemer and ask him if he'll redeem her. And who wants to redeem a woman who has, you know what I'm saying, got that kind of reputation? So Boaz is protecting the reputation of Ruth. Got it? But here's what he says. Hold out your garment. And he starts loading her down with grain. To the point that he has to put it on her. It gets so heavy. She can't just pack it like this. He has to put it on her. We don't know exactly how much weight this was. And then look what he goes on to say. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, these six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. So she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Did y'all get this? He gave this grain to Ruth, not for Ruth, but for Naomi. How did Naomi come back into the land? Empty-handed. Who did she blame? God, she was bitter. And now Boaz gives grain to Ruth to give to Naomi so she won't be empty-handed ever again. And what he's doing here, in my opinion, is he's pledging his support not only to Ruth, his wife, but to Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi. And this is the bride price. He's pledging that I'm going to marry her and I'm going to settle the matter today. Now watch this. Naomi tells her, just be patient, wait. Let's see how this turns out. Now watch this. For he will not rest till he settles this matter today. Somebody tell me how verse one started out. She's wanting rest for who? Ruth. What does Boaz want for Ruth? Rest. To provide rest he can't rest till the transaction's finished. 
I'm not going to get ahead of Corey, but all that's going to happen in chapter four. But I want you to see how chapter three ends. Naomi says he won't rest. And you'll know today if you're going to marry him or you're going to marry the other redeemer. Now, before we dismiss, this sounds like a cool story because there was a matchmaker who put Boaz and Ruth together. And this sounds like a match made in Bethlehem, but it's really a match made in heaven. Because God not only wanted to redeem Ruth with a redeemer. He wanted to redeem you and I with a redeemer. And it wasn't just Naomi who put these two together. It was God who put these two together. Because ultimately, you know what he wants for you? He wants you to rest. He wants you to rest in your husband. He wants you to rest in your redeemer. He wants you to rest in Christ and when Christ comes and we celebrate his birth here's what we know throughout all the gospels he will not rest and he did not rest until he redeemed us wow have you discovered the rest that comes by being in Christ Jesus. Where you rest from your labors and you trust totally in the work of another. That's what the Christmas story is all about. It's about your match made in heaven between God and you when he put his son on that cross. But before he could be put on that cross to be a kinsman redeemer, he had to be like us. He had to be kin to us. So he had to become a man. He's your kinsman redeemer. Ultimately, no dad, no mom, no brother, no sister, no husband, no sibling, no cousin can redeem. And you'll never find rest until you find the ultimate rest in your true Redeemer. And that's Jesus Christ. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for this wonderful match made in heaven. Thank you that we can approach your son and say to him, Will you be my Lord and Savior? And by saying that to him, we are declaring that we believe in his death, born, resurrection on the cross for our salvation. We're asking him not just to be our Savior, to be our Lord. Thank you for this rest that we have in him. If there's anyone here not at rest, Please, if they'd like to talk, we got counselors here who would love to talk to them. 
In your son's name we pray. Amen. You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org.